Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. There was an idea. The Avengers initiative. I'm going to do this all day. I'm a superhero. I come to bargain. I love you, please, Hansen. That's my secret, Cat. I'm always angry. You should have gone for the head. And I. Wakanda forever! Why is Gamora? Iron Man. We are. And welcome to a special edition of Marvel Standom. I'm your host, Kirsten Howard. Back in July, Den of Geek attended San Diego Comic-Con, where we interviewed several extremely talented comic book writers from Marvel, one of which was esteemed filmmaker J. Michael Straczynski, who has a new run of Captain America. Jay really wanted to tell a Steve Rogers story during a period we haven't really seen before, his childhood how did Steve Rogers become the man who would become the hero? That's what this run is all about. Before we turn it over to the interview Mike did, we have a brief message from the sponsor of this episode, eBay. eBay is the premier destination for collecting comics both old and new. Whether it's that highly sought after iconic comic or an obscure niche that speaks directly to you, odds are you'll certainly find it on eBay. Here's a list of comics that are must-haves for any fan of J. Michael Straczynski or Captain America. The 12, 1. J. Michael Straczynski has a long history writing for comics and television, so it isn't surprising that he explored World War II before his new Captain America series. His most interesting work in the period came in the 12-issue maxi-series The Twelve, which launched in 2008 and explored the heroes of Marvel's predecessor, Timey Comics. Revived in the modern day after serving the Allied forces in World War II, heroes such as Mastermind Excello, Captain Wanda, and the original Black Widow become agents of the US government, setting off a compelling mystery. Avengers 4. Modern superhero fans know Captain America as a man out of time, a World War II relic brought into the modern world, but he didn't start out that way. Created in 1941 by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, Cap and Bucky started out as standard Golden Age heroes who solved crimes on a US Army base. All of that changed with Avengers 4, when Namor the Submariner threw a temper tantrum and destroyed an iceberg, uncovering the frozen body of Captain America. The issue brought Cap back into action, establishing the character's new origin and cementing his place in comic book history. Avengers 71. During the 1940s, Captain America and Bucky appeared alongside other heroes of the era in a team called the All Winners Squad. But when the Avengers revisited Cap's exploits of the era in a time-traveling adventure involving Kang the Conqueror, the team received a new name, the Invaders. The Invaders made their first official appearance in Avengers 71, written by Roy Thomas, drawn by Sal Bashima, 
inked by Sam Granger and lettered by Sam Rosen. Gone were the doofier members of the all-winner squad, such as Wizard and Blonde Phantom. In their place were Namor, Cap, and the original Human Torch, as well as sidekicks Bucky and Toro. Avengers Standoff, Assault on Pleasant Hill Alpha One. After getting his start with Dark Horse Comics, Spanish artist Jesus Seis spent most of his career at DC, even working with Straczynski for an Eisner-nominated issue of The Brave and the Bold. But he made the jump to Marvel in 2016 for the start of the Avengers Standoff event. Standoff follows the hero's investigation into Pleasant Hill, a gated community with secret links to S.H.I.E.L.D. Written by Nick Spencer, with art by Sayers and letters by Clayton Cowles, Assault on Pleasant Hill Alpha brings the Winter Soldier back to Earth after an extended stay in space. As he investigates the gated community with the help of Captain America Sam Wilson, Steve Rogers in his older Commander Rogers mode, and professional sidekick Rick Jones. Captain America Man Out of Time 1 Straczynski is hardly the first writer to go back to Cap's early days, and few have done it better than Mark Wade, Jorge Molina, and Carl Kessel in Captain America Man Out of Time. The five-part miniseries updates Avengers 4, taking advantage of Marvel's sliding timeline to retell Cap's journey from World War II to the then-present of 2010. As he's done time and again, Wade finds a fresh spin on a well-worn character, grounding Cap in believable human emotions without sacrificing the oversized nature of superhero storytelling. The breakdowns by Molina and finishes by Kessel continue this tone, aided by inventive work by colorist Frank D'Amata and letterer Joe Sabino. Head on over to ebay.com today to start or expand your collection. And now back to the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Denny Geek Studio. I am Mike Cicchini, and joining me today, I have Mr. J. Michael Straczynski. Howdy. Writer Happy to of, be here. Yeah, writer of many things. Yes. But in this case... Postcards, we, letters, envelopes, posters. Angry notes. He really Lots sent me, of those. Yeah, it was brutal. It was really unpleasant. Um, in fact, Five, I'm filing a complaint. Uh, $5 each for folks at home. <laughs> but for real... The upcoming Captain America number one from Marvel Comics arriving this September. Now, yes, sir. You would think that after you know eighty something years now of Captain America stories, you know we've kind of seen it all, but obviously we haven't. And from what I could tell, you're taking a, a look at a period of Cap's life that has never really been explored in comics before. Yeah, I mean, you would think that it has been all covered, but in, in looking through his his background and all the other issues, I discovered that um, it, it's established that his his mom died and his parents died, and that he was on his own in New York at the age of like 15, 16, and was living in New York on his own with little help, no relatives, uh, you know, until the Captain America thing happened. And I thought, I want to zero in, in the, there's two main stories. One is a present tense story. One is a past tense story, both going concurrently with each other. And one, and also I'm using counterpoint between them. And let me look at that period of time because I want to see what made Steve Rogers the man he was before he became the hero that he was. Because there was a whole formative element that, that turned him into the person who would become Captain America. Because the super soldier serum, you know, into the wrong guy is, is a, you know, a bad night anywhere. 
But you know, I want to say, okay, what, why was he the right person at the right time? And so we get to see him, you know, as a kid being scrappy, um, trying to, to earn a living for himself, finding a way to, to make money to, to get a small flat somewhere. And the other part that's interesting about that period of time in New York is that from about 37 through 39, uh, the American Bund, the American Nazi Party, was quite powerful in New York. And they were holding rallies, they were holding uh, meetings and marching and, and terrorizing people leading up to this big, huge um, uh, rally they had at Madison Square Garden in 1939, where 20,000 people showed up to show support. And, well, that probably was the first time he ever saw somebody, you know, marching down the street in that uniform. How would he have reacted, even as a small, scrawny kid? What would he have done? And how would that shape his thoughts about the world? So this allows us to see his, his past, how he survived, how he first encountered this, this terrible force that had his boot on the throat of the world, and build out the person he was going to become to be Captain America. This is perhaps a coincidence, but I can't help notice the similarities between Steve Rogers as a teenager on the Lower East Side in Depression-era New York and his co-creator, Jack Kirby, um, you know, who was also a scrappy, poor guy on the Lower East Side of New York in, in, you know, during the Depression with these formative experiences that then became the foundation of all of the creative work he did for the rest of his career. So, I mean, like I said, could be a coincidence might not be a coincidence. Oh, no, it's not a coincidence at all, because um, he and Joe Simon, uh, who created also Captain, Captain America, the first issue of Cap came out before World War II started in 1939, because they were seeing it going on around them. They were seeing what was happening, both, both in New York and overseas, and hearing the reports of what was happening there. And we need to come up with something to you know, fight this. And that was the, the, the origin of Captain America as a comic. And as a matter of fact, going back to the American Bund again, they were not known for a sense of humor. <laughs> and when the first issue appeared where Captain America hits Hitler in the face, Joe Simon and Kirby had to ask for police protection for several months. And then World War II started, and then they stopped bothering him so much. He had other things to do, like being killed overseas. Yeah. Uh, so the Germans are concerned. Nazis are concerned. So this is actually going back to the very, very earliest intent of what Captain America was, to resolve that problem at that time. I don't want to make this, you know, too on the nose, but I mean, you can't help but notice the similarities between the budding acceptance of fascism in, you know, in New York City and in America, like in the pre-World War II era, and some of the more disturbing elements that are kind of taking place today, right now, in our current time. And I've always felt that Captain America, I mean, look, I, I think just the simple fact that Captain America was punching Hitler in the face before we were actually at war with Germany, literally in his very first story, you're right there. But then, you know, you have the, St the Steve Englehart stories of the 1970s, which were also very much of their time. And so I'm just wondering kind of like where your contemporary element kind of calls back to the, you know, to the stuff that Steve ex is experiencing in the late 30s there. Certainly there is a corollary and a reason that sort of drove me narratively to want to, want to pursue this. Um, the, the point gets made in the course of the book uh, that the reason, you know, we stopped fighting Nazis is we ran out of Nazis to fight. 
one good way to do that. That's a really good way to do it. <laughs> and, and, and just me personally, my feeling is that if someone else wants to put on that uniform and give us someone new <laughs> to go after, we, lost, we ran out of the other ones. I'm cool with that. Um, I think that, you know, there is a, 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 a rising, um, the book is not political. I want to get into, you know, the politics of it, but there is a, a rising tide of authoritarianism around the world right now. Uh, and I wanted to sort of gently, without causing anyone to burn down my house, um, talk about what's happening now, but talk about what's ha what happened then and how it happened. Uh, so that it's, 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 point, it's poking a finger in someone's eye, but it's not saying it what's happening now necessarily, but the echo is definitely there. So let me, let me lighten this up a little bit because I've always felt The lighter like, side of Nazis. Yes, the lighter <laughs> side of, of rising authoritarianism. Uh, but what, what's, you know, um, I've always felt, especially in more modern Cap comics, okay? And I love Captain America comics, but particularly for the last 20 years or 30 years or even 40 years, there's like almost like two tracks that Captain America, that a new Captain America run can take. And they're both great. One is you know, the kind of political thriller, right? Which is, you know, I call it like the, the Steve Englehart slash Ed Brubaker approach, right? And then the other one is like the superheroes with a capital S approach, which is like, you know, like my favorite stuff, which is, you know, the Jack Kirby and Mark Grunewald and, and, and creators like that. Um, does your modern Captain America story, you know, where does that fall on that spectrum? I'm not saying these are the only two tracks. I mean, like, where, where do you see this? Because Cap has such an amazing rogues gallery and is such a dynamic character physically. Like, artists can have so much fun with the way he fights and the way he, you know, the way that costume pops against, like, relatively, you know, real-world backgrounds and things like that. So I'm just kind of wondering where, where your present Cap story kind of fits in, in that pantheon there. As much as I'm known to be a guy who likes the big toys, um, I'm at the end of the day a character guy, which is why you know why I did Thor, um, but worked up in the movie in particular. Uh, my feeling was you know, Asgard, big battles, huge effects, great. But end of the day, that movie has to be about two brothers fighting for their father's affection. That has to be the, the emotional core of it. Um, and I've always taken counterintuitive steps in my writing. So putting Asgard in Oklahoma, that kind of thing. Uh, like, why well, are you still okay? You know? Um, and so I'm doing a similar thing with Cap. Those, those are, as you were saying, the two tangents he tends to go on. So I wanted to take him on a different tangent. In the A story, there's actually, there's actually four stories in the book, the two present and two past. And <clears throat> one of the two in the present, he's living in the apartment that his parents lived in. Um, and, the owners of the apartment building decide it's not making enough money for them and they're going to close it all down and everyone who's there is going to be put out in the street and he can't let that happen. So he makes a call to Sony, Tony Stark saying, listen, can you loan me some cash? And he buys the building and now begins the process of fixing it up on his own. So it's like, Steve Rogers, contractor. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and An attentive landlord in New York City? This is absolutely the stuff of fiction. That, science fiction, yeah. And, and um, so we had to see more of the neighbors and, and see through his eyes 
what the place can be and what it was. So he could be, well, there's one great panel where he's looking up at the front part of the building which he's been working on, and he's on the right side of the panel looking up. Then you have him and his younger self in the same panel looking up, and now the buildings get a little bit newer, and the bottom panel is just the younger version of itself looking up at this newer building. And so it, it's a kind of a story where it's very personal. At one point, um, uh, Sue Storm says, listen, I see you're working over here. we got a problem. Can you help us out with the big battle we're going on? So he puts the hammer down, goes off, does a thing, comes back, goes back to, to working on the house. So that's one part of it. The other part is very often the, the, his rogues gallery tends to be guys who he can put down with a really strong punch. And I want to put him up against something that he can't punch and knock out. Uh, uh, a supernatural demonic force that is trying to sort of look down the road to anything good that might happen in the world and snuff it out before, you know, there's a big change coming. And, and Steve and Cap versus a supernatural force he's never encountered before really will put him on his toes. There's a, how the hell do I deal with this? Um, without necessarily calling in a lot of favors and help from other people. So it's, it's current time, fixing the house, dealing with this supernatural force that is killing people and, and coming after him next. And the flashback story of young Cap, young Steve Rogers trying to survive in New York on his own after the death of his parents, and the, uh, the Bund story. And they all interweave with each other and how much they kind of comment on each other back and forth is really kind of interesting to me. So really a very simple, straightforward, uh, you know, not, I'm joking. Uh, it's like a tesseract. You know, yeah. it's, it's just, <laughs> I, I love playing with structure, you know, I love having one image over here that you can then go back to 1939. Suddenly it's a whole different meaning to it. That's, that's the, the fun of, of doing, of being a writer is, is finding counterpoint, finding thematic, thematic elements that can knit four separate stories together into one cohesive narrative. And then there's the art, which looks amazing. Oh God, uh, Jesus is is just off the hook. It is it is insanely good. Uh, I keep saying to to Marvel, we need to do at least one variant that's just the black and white inks because this is beyond insane. Uh, he brings out the characters, see the, the 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 scope and the scale of what he's doing, the resources have to do into the period. Every page I would I would hang on my wall. It's it's probably in many ways, the most beautiful book I've ever been involved in. It's just insanely good. It's great. It looks so good. It oh, looks, man. It really looks good. And just the way he's capturing the flavor of, you know, the flashbacks, the flashback elements and, and the modern stuff. It looks... Um, are you... Yeah, I, I said that one of my emails when I saw some more of the pages coming in. said, I'm going to have to up my game because otherwise I'm going to get driven off the road into a ditch <laughs> by the art. <laughs> I just want to pull back a little bit and talk about you as a Captain America fan in general. Like, when did you... How did you first discover the character? Do you remember what your first exposure to Cap was? I know I was a kid. I can't recall what specific issue, but I've always been a fan of the work. Uh, there was that that great you know Silver Age period of Captain America and Spider Man, so I was that was kind of my my introduction to Marvel Comics, um, and I liked the fact that this was a man of principle that um, that like Spidey and other characters that I've are always identified with, he took a moral stance and did it in a way that wasn't preachy, uh, and he was someone who you could look up to, and it, it kind of became over time. Well, that's just old-fashioned. That's old hat. He's of another world. But should we lose that? 
should we lose the idea that we can strive to be better than what we are? That there's something to be, to be said for, for be, acting in a, a, a kind fashion. People tend not to mistake kindness for weakness, you know? And to fight for the right, appropriate, noble cause to, to save the world, to save, you know, that the, the essence of what to, you know, this country is. Um, there was a time before the Civil War when um, this country was referred to as these United States. It was a loose conglomeration of states. After the Civil War, it became the United States. And in recent history, we've now gone back, I think, in many ways to these, where everyone's pulling in a different direction. We're being tribalized and factionalized and marginalized within an inch of our lives. And someone has to be able to say that, you know, the common coin of our shared humanity beats out whatever divisive nonsense they want to throw at us. And Cap is the right person at the right time to talk about that. I've always appreciated Cap as, you know, you talk about like it's the embodiment of the American dream is what, what they say in so many comics, right? But I feel like Cap is the character that if you were to take all of the wonderful things that we are taught about America in school as kids completely at face value, right, without you know, the, 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 the historical, you know, I, the historical context and all of the, the darker elements that are, that are threaded through our history. Cap is the myth made real and the dream made real. And it's like, you know, what, what if all of these ideals actually were as pure as they're presented to us? Mm-hmm. And I just think that's, you know, th- there's no other, there's, there's no other patriotic hero that you could say that about because it keeps him both kind of, pure and honest and earnest in that way, but also not unaware of, you know, of the reality of it all. Yeah. I mean, you could just do stories about him, you know, this patriotic figure and glossing over the problems and jingoistic and representing kind of the boot of, of that, that kind of patriotism. Or you can say that he represents, as you were saying, you know, the, the better angels of our nature where um, it, there's one point where, where young Steve Rogers is confronting one of these, these Bund members um, who's, all, who's talking about, you know, purity of, of, of the bloodline, that kind of thing. And Steve's like, you know, you know, you know why, why steel trumps iron? Because iron is made out of one substance and it, it's brittle and it breaks. Steel is made from a whole series of different elements and molded together it's, it, it bends. It does not break. It is stronger. You want to be iron. We want to be steel. You know? And that's what he represents. I don't think we can end on a better note than that. So, Mr. Shuzinski, thank you for joining us. Thank you, sir. Captain America number one, out from Marvel Comics this September. Don't miss it. Thanks for watching or listening to this special edition of Marvel Standom. We'll be back soon with more of our San Diego coverage, as well as some book clubs with me and Joe George. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to us on YouTube at Den of Geek US. Check out our Twitch and TikTok at Den of Geek TV and our Twitter or Instagram at Den of Geek. We're also on threads if you're into that. Don't forget to check out our web home at denofgeek.com where you can find all our Marvel coverage and more. We also have a paranormal and horror pop culture show called Talking Strange, hosted by Aaron Sagers. Check that out if you're into the spooky and weird. Thanks once again to our sponsor eBay and thank you all for joining us today. Be good to each other and stay safe. 
you for listening to Marvel Standom, produced by Andrew Halley, Kirsten Howard, and Joe George. Hosted by Kirsten Howard. Editing and graphics by Andrew Halley. Social media coordinator, Lee Parham. Additional artwork by Chloe Lewis. Production assistant, Michael R. Music licensed from soundstripe.com. Marvel Standom is a production of the Den of Geek Network. For more information, visit denofgeek.com. 